podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Salah. Escape Cancelo. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and still a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. De Bruyne. And it's what... Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Kiriwa Chanakira, and his guest, Aston Villa's own, James Billingham. It's game week 27, and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. Well, Carabao Cup is over, Um, FA Cup is coming up this week, but we are going to be predicting the Premier League fixtures for this coming game week. I've got my guest, Aston Villa fan, James Billingham, as you heard in the guest intros. James, welcome back to the show, and what are your thoughts on on the Carabao Cup? Uh, It's it's great to be back, thanks for having me on again. Um, Yeah, I thought it was um, quite a good game, and... Uh, I was at the ball with my mates and we said that usually extra time is quite disappointing these days, but it was pretty, pretty good to watch, to be honest. Um, yeah, I was, I always backed Liverpool to, to win that, but then with more injuries coming for them, I thought it was a really, really key win for them to, to get under their belt, um, this early in the season. So yeah, but overall, it was a good game. Yeah, it, it, it's usually the trophy where if, if you win it, you celebrate it like it's the Champions League. If if you lose it, you say, "Oh, it's the Mickey Mouse Trophy." We didn't we didn't want it anyway, um, but it it's, it it appeared as though Poch really wanted that one, um, especially with as as you say, with with the Liverpool um, injuries that they had, it was definitely a case of missed opportunity. I think for Chelsea, Poch a, a chance to get his first trophy in the UK, just, yeah, I, I guess disappointment for them and, and we'll see how that affects their, their FA Cup, I guess, uh, against Leeds, but then also specifically their Premier League form going forward. Yeah, the um, the thing that surprised me most to think about about that game was when it came to extra time and, you know, Liverpool have got all these inexperienced players playing and well, Pochettino seemed to take the impetus away from themselves and just tried to soak up a bit of pressure. And I thought, you know, I know that they're a young team as well, but they've got more starters in that that side, and you'd think that they'd take the game to them. You know, they had enough chances in the game as well to to score, but I think this has been the problem in general, hasn't it? They they can't put so many of their chances away, and that's what's costing them. So it, it was another case of that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Kelleher had a phenomenal game. But um, Chelsea should have won that game based on on the chances that both teams had. But let, let's move on to the Premier League. And, and I started with that Carabao Cup final because Chelsea are the 12.30 kickoff. Um, they will be travelling to Brentford, so not too far. Um, they don't have to go too far for that game. But what shape did Chelsea come into this game? And I, I know the FA Cup will, will probably play a factor in that as well. But coming up against a Brentford side who we obviously know Brentford, they play tonight at time of recording just to 
uh, peel behind the scenes here. Um, and I, I'm assuming you're watching because I can see I can see you've got one yeah. eye on on the side of the screen. Um, I'm in a similar situation with you there. But yeah, what what do you make of this game? What kind of Chelsea arrives uh, to face Brentford, and and how will Brentford fare against that? Uh, it's hard to say with Chelsea. I think um, they can turn up on the day and be really good. Um, you know, I think they've, they've started to look better in the second half of the season, definitely. But as I was just saying, that putting the chances away is still a problem for them. And then you think about this this cup final will have really hurt them. And then it can go either way, can't it? It can, can knock them back down again or it can just reinvigorate them in wanting to prove a point. Because, you know, especially the likes of the that that key quote from Neville, the the blue billion pound bottle jobs, I think that, that could be something that they want to try and, you know, get revenge get revenge on. And I think if they turn up and be as good as we've seen them at times this season, I think they could win. But, you know, Brentford at home is is not a, an easy task. I think the Brentford's problem at the moment, especially watching this game so far, is that defensively so poor. Um, you know, they still have some good pieces of play in general, but they the lose the man way too often. And I think... If Chelsea can drag them about, they, they could score one or two. But I, I think it'll still be a close scoreline. I'd probably say Chelsea two one. Yeah, Chelsea two one seems to be a, a decent score prediction, especially when you consider. I I would have thought Brentford would be targeting this game against West Ham, looking at how tough their fixture list has been in in recent weeks, and with the looming Chelsea game coming up. You want to at least get that win against uh, West Ham, a West Ham side that's not been playing well at the moment, so much so that uh, David Moyes' contract talks got stalled. Um, and at least give yourself some breathing room with that relegation zone. But they're, they're starting to get dragged into that relegation battle. And, and you know, um, as, as is custom in the Premier League, once you're in that zone, it's really tough to drag yourself out of, out of it and push away yeah. From it, so um, yeah, they, they're going to need to start picking up wins somewhere. I'm, I'm not going to give them a win in this one against Chelsea. I think it will be tough for Pochettino to get the team re-energized, refocused on on getting results in the Premier League. I think they, the players might be more focused for the FA Cup game personally because that's still a trophy that they can win. Uh, Premier League, I, I don't think even the the boldest Chelsea fans will be predicting them um, winning it. Um, maybe. Champions League if they can go on a mega run um, but even that seems quite far-fetched at the moment so I, I think I think they'll be focused for the FA Cup I, I'm not sure they're going to be as motivated for this Brentford game I've gone with the 1-1 draw um, I've taken into account the the troubles Chelsea have had in, in front of goal um, Brentford still make games difficult even though they haven't been winning any um, in recent uh, history so I, I think it's going to be another draw for, for Brentford and I guess uh as we're looking at it, it's 2-1 to, to West Ham in, in, in the current game. So they, they've got some points to make up if that scoreline stays the same and, and as it is. But let's move on to our next game. Um, the aforementioned West Ham. They will travel to Goodison Park against probably a rejuvenated Everton considering um, the news that came out today. Then their nine-point deduction, was it, has, has now been dropped to six points. A bit more palatable maybe for them? Yeah, definitely would be. Um, you know, it's it's shot them up the table quite a bit already. You know, the four points is massive when you're in that position. Um, so I think I was on I was on the same page. A lot of people waiting for this outcome that you expect it to to not 
change. Um, you know, I think not changing is was much better than you know getting worse. So to have you know four points, you know, rescinded away from it, that's even better. So I think coming into this weekend at Goodison, there should be a really good feeling about that. There should I, I can't see past a, an Everton win this weekend. To be honest, um, I think you know they still have their frailties and conceding like the other day would have you know really annoyed them, but they're not that bad defensively. Um, they're decent. And I think with West Ham's struggles, you know, they're really up and down. I could see a 1-0 Everton win. Um, probably from another sort of, maybe even another centre-back goal. Um, I think set-pieces and things like that can be really key for them. So, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably say 1-0 Everton. Yeah, that, that's a decent shot. And when you watched Everton versus Brighton, um, the, the defensive shape for Everton is, is bang on. Um, if they could finish, uh, they would be a lot higher up in, in the league table. I think Sean Dyche has done really well to stabilise that defensive side for them because they were leaking a lot of goals before he came in um, and, and he's done well. Now it's just about can we find someone to put them in the back of the net for us. Um, yeah, I, I had screaming in my ear that it's 10 points, not 9 points, that they, they had they had been deducted 10 points. It's gone down to 6. Uh, to me... Uh, Punishments are always, you know, maybe looking from a philosophical standpoint, but punishments are one, obviously, um, or the sentencing, should I say, or the, the, the points deduction. One would be punishing Everton for what they've done. And then two is a deterrent to stop, you know, someone else doing the same thing. I I get wh- how the appeal was successful in that the Premier League, there, there, was, a, there was a lot of grey area on which financial things counted as um, part of your revenue t- tally and part of the, the tally that they were judging on whether or not you could breach that tally. Based on evidence calculations, they, they met you know the tally that the Premier League had sort of put as a cap. Whereas from a Premier League's perspective, based on their calculations, they were adding certain things, maybe um, you know COVID, for example, um, match day tickets yeah. was an exception. That, that you didn't have to add it into your, your tally totals and stuff like that. So that gray area of which things counted, which didn't, is probably what um, helped Everton out in, in this case. But yeah. I'm looking at it from, from the perspective of if Everton had used that money a bit more wisely, um, personally, I think it, it's kind of worth it. I, I don't know. If, if you use that money wisely and you only get a six point deduction i mean last season they got to stay in the premier league probably due to some of the business that they did this season i think they're they're fortunate that they're probably three teams worse than them in in the league this season so i i think as a net at the end of the day six points isn't too much of a deterrence i don't think no, I, I see where you're coming from with that because, you, you know, I think if you're buying the right players, six points really wouldn't be that much, you know, it, even if you, you're only just hitting mid-table, you've then still got a base to build from then. So it, I can, I see what you mean. It would be a viable way of doing things in that sense. So, yeah, I do wonder when it comes to setting the president whether they'd have been better being harsh or not. So it'll be interesting to see what else come, comes from um, this sort of thing with, with Forrest. Obviously, they're under the cash for it. And I think their, their outcome will be seen in the next couple of months, won't it? So that'll be interesting to see what happens as well. 
Yeah, and Everton obviously have another one looming as well. Maybe that factored in the fact that they've yeah, got maybe. two, um, and that maybe they yeah. didn't want to be too harsh on the first one. But in terms of uh, this specific game, I I like your one nil scoreline. I really do. I think I might join you on that one. One nil to to Everton, and as I said, if if I, I'm confident in their defense, as confident as you can be in a team in a relegation battle, I'm I'm confident in their defense. Bait. You know, compared to all the other teams around them, it's just about scoring the goals. And yeah, I think at home, hopefully the the Goodison Park crowd can sort of drag one in with their voices. Let's move on to Fulham versus Brighton. I mean, Fulham had quite the day on Saturday, beating Man United first time in, I think, over 100 years that they won at Old Trafford. Um, For Brighton, we mentioned that Everton game, probably disappointing from them. They, they can't seem to get into a rhythm, uh, James. It, it's it's a win here, a draw, a loss. Like, I, I can't remember the last time Brighton put back-to-back wins together. Um, and I, I, I don't know if it's, you know, the, the Deserby rumours, if it's the uncertainty with the backroom staff, because they seem to be a club that everyone's trying to poach as many of their players and staff as possible, considering how well they've done, you know, to, to get into the Premier League get into European football. They were, in my opinion, the, the best-run club in the Premier League for the last at least two or three years. Um, so maybe that stuff is starting to to really wear on on the club as a whole. Um, and then for Fulham, as I said, just a f- phenomenal performance. Probably should have won it a lot more comfortably. Um, they had chances to, to go and win that game a bit more comfortably. Invited Man United back into the game only to sort of pull pull away the, the, the win at the end. Um, what, what do you make for this one? This, this could be a, a sneaky good game. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially Fulham at home. They, they can be really good on the day. They can get plenty of goals there. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, it's been really weird seeing Brighton this season. They've not looked bad, especially on the ball, but they can't seem to grind out those key wins when you need to. Like, uh, from a Villa point of view, there's been games where we haven't looked great this season, but we're managing to grind out wins by a goal or so. And I think that is that is what keeps you up towards the top of the table, obviously. Whereas Brighton, especially with with European football coming back soon for them, I think that, that they could be in danger this season, petering out if they can't find some sort of rhythm. If they can find some sort of rhythm now, it's a really good time for them to do that. But this will be a really tough game and I think it could have quite a few goals in it. Um, Fulham really were impressive against United and I think... That, that when they have players like uh, Adama and Awobi that can run into space and United's lack of organisation defensively, I think that was was a perfect sort of game for them. Brighton do push up high as well, so they could you know expose them in that sense again. So uh, I, I'm going to go for a two-two with this one. I think it could be a really interesting game and it'd be fun to watch. That that would be a fun fun game to watch. Um, yeah, from my perspective, I think. The, the, the slight difference that Fulham will face in, in the Brighton game to what they face against United is Brighton will be happy to have the ball, whereas yeah. United almost seem like a team that's better suited to counter-attacking and, and um, obviously Fulham went there trying to counter-attack, so it would almost end up resulting in a basketball type of game, especially towards the, the end of the game when, when both teams were trying to win it. But I think... Brighton might have a lot more of the possession. It's going to be um, whether or not they can starve Fulham of enough possession that Fulham can't fashion enough chances. Because 
we've seen with Fulham, and it, it's not just in the Man United game. Um, if you look at recent games, um, I think the, the Carabao Cup semi-final against Liverpool, for example, where they have really good patterns of play going forward on the counter-attack, but they don't always, um, or they aren't always as clinical as maybe you'd want them to be. And, and that's been to their detriment this season. So I, I think they'll they'll get chances. I agree there'll be space for them to, to operate um, with how high Brighton play, but I'm not convinced with their finishing quite yet. Um, obviously, they've got the likes of Jimenez and Breuer to to come into this team, and probably that will help out um, from from an efficiency perspective. But for now, I, I think I'm going to go two one to Brighton. Um, as we say, obviously, this won't be back to back wins again for Brighton. It 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 it, it will be a frustrating one, but um, hopefully, then for them, the next week they can try and get a win and and try and get into some sort of rhythm as you mentioned, prior to European football coming back. The next game is Newcastle versus Wolves. I mean, Newcastle, you looked at that game coming up against Arsenal. I think Newcastle of last season probably is what a lot of the pundits were talking about before the game, rather than what we've seen from Newcastle recently. So it it, it tried to big the game up to a level that I don't think it, it ever really was based on what we've seen from Newcastle this season. And from an Arsenal perspective, to me, they're, they're the informed team in the Premier League at the moment. They, they can't seem to do anything wrong. My only question to you with them is, do you think they're peaking too early? I mean, I mean, it, it, it's March, uh, or we, we're not even in March yet. It's February. Um, they look hot. They look invincible. But we know... Where the business end is where you need to really be on on that run of form. It's just a question to throw out then and and get your thoughts on that. I, I think it, it's hard to say. Um, I think they do look they're playing like champions do. They're playing a bit like City do when they they go on that motoring run of form to, towards the end of a season. But they have got the City game to come, and I think if they can keep this form up until then. And then managed to eke out a win against City as well. Then you you do wonder if I can go all the way and, and challenge and challenge Liverpool because even with the injuries coming in and out, I still think they're the team to beat. They, they find a way somehow all the time, and it's it's quite fascinating to watch. But yeah, with Arsenal, you still have that nagging feeling that there's going to be a game that sets them back, and I think that, that you're going to have that feeling about Arsenal until they overcome that. Until they actually do it, I feel like I always have that feeling they're going to slip up. Um, like last season, that I'd have never have seen that Southampton result coming at the Emirates. Uh, not Southampton, yeah, it was Southampton, wasn't it? The, was it three-three draw? I, I wouldn't have seen that coming. Yeah. Um, I, I, I still feel like that might still happen, but at the moment, the difference this season is they're so so good out of possession, so good defensively, and with the set pieces that the they're so good at as well. I feel like they're going to be very hard to stop and, and they'll find it easy to stop most teams. So it, it's going to be fascinating to see how they do in this running. Um, it, it will, it really will be. Yeah, de- definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of this one, and I, I know I mentioned that Fulham Brighton game could be sneaky good. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this Newcastle Wolves game because it's at um, St. James's Park. We know what atmosphere that crowd can can sort of give games. And a lot of the good good Newcastle games have been there this season. Um, 
I, I know you you don't want to talk about any any games that were involved yeah. in uh, it, you know, against Newcastle this season. But playing a Wolves side who seem to be getting into a good run of form, they've they've got Neto back firing on all cylinders, in my opinion. Um, I'm excited for this. I I think Wolves sneak this one two one, but um, based on the the basketball style of Newcastle of recent. Um, and I think that's a lot to do with their inability to control games in midfield. That suits Wolves down to a T because Wolves break with absolute pace, absolute precision. And I, I'm, I'm scared of if it ends up being Neto versus Burn on, on that side of the pitch. I, I don't know how that's going to end, but I, I don't think it will end well. Yeah, th- this is a game for me where I, I can't see a draw. It's going to go one way or another for me. And I, I think... If Newcastle turn up with the fans behind them and they have one of those really good performances, I think they can win this 2-0. Um, but if Wolves turn up and Newcastle are a bit tentative from the start, this could be a perfect sort of game for Wolves and how they play. Um, Neto's brilliant to watch. Um, I love Joao Gomez as well in the Middle East. He's fantastic. And I think that they could really punish those spaces out wide. And as you say, Neto against Dan Byrne would be yeah, I'd feel sorry for for Burn for forty minutes. So trying to pick which way this is going to go. Wolves are in pretty good form. I could see Wolves two one as well. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating watch that one. Let's move on to the second last um, three o'clock kickoff for this weekend. It's Nottingham Forest versus Liverpool. Now, obviously, with these three o'clock kickoffs, we all know they're not available here in the UK. Fortunately for you, um, Luton versus Aston Villa is available and, and we will get to that game. It's going to be on Sky Sports. Um, and But then again, it depends whether or not you have a Sky Sports package. But um, you don't need to worry about all of those calculations and, and different subscriptions if you link up with our presenting sponsors. Obviously, this podcast is presented by EPL Index in association with Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a great VPN service. It's very easy to install, really easy to use, and has a whole host of features. Um, it can be used on multiple devices, whether you're traveling and you don't want to get locked out of your bank account, or if you want to stay safe while using wi- uh, public Wi-Fi. If you want to unlock geo-locked content or you just want to protect your data, then Liberty Shield is definitely for you. Um, one of my favorite uses of it is just unlocking content, being able to watch uh, for example, American sports for me is a big thing. So being able to watch all of those sports uh, without worrying about how I'm going to get access to them if they're not being shown here in the UK. Uh, Liberty Shield is such a great tool. Um, you guys, if you use the coupon code EPL25, you guys can save 25% off of either the router or the software VPN. And the software VPN obviously downloads straight onto your devices. Um Let's move on to Nottingham Forest versus Liverpool after paying the bills there for a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts? Do Liverpool even have 11 players to, to, to feature in this game? I'm not sure. I don't even think Klopp's sure whether he does so or not. And <laughs> it's, it's not really uh, not looking good on that front. But yeah, the, I, I'm not sure how close uh, Nunes, Salah and Sabaslai are to returning. Well, Nunes be- jumped over the fence. When, when Liverpool yeah. scored. So I don't know. I, I'm assuming yeah. he's close. I, I don't think he'd be doing that if, if he wasn't close. Then again, it's yeah, Darwin he, Nunes. So. 
Yeah, I, I love him. I think he's great. But uh, <laughs> if, you, if you know they have two or three of those that, that are ready to come back in, then that would be really handy for him, obviously, because that they can decide games whether you're conceding one or two. Still, they can outscore teams. So this could be a really good game um, at Forest. I'm not sure how Forest. I'd imagine they will try and hit them on the break, even at home, because. You know, I think with with the frailties that Liverpool might have, that probably be their best route. But yes, Liverpool's still the team to beat for me. Um, the, a player that I'd have to pick out from the the cup final as well. I thought he was was brilliant. Was Endo? I think he's su- such a good player. That it, if he's starting, he can cover so much ground in that midfield and win the ball. Uh, I think it provides a good platform for the rest of the team to build on. Then, um, but it's just it's mad going through this Liverpool injury list. It's Almost reminiscent to you know a few seasons ago when they couldn't field a, a defence properly. Really, um, seems to happen quite a bit, and it's quite unfortunate because I think they're a fantastic team to watch. Um, and if they had all these players back, I do wonder how how much further ahead they might be still. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a tough game uh, for both teams. But I'd still expect Liverpool to come out on top. Um, I actually don't think it'd be too high scoring. Um, I'll say 2-0 two, two Liverpool. 2-0 to Liverpool. Ooh, I've gone 3-1 to Liverpool. I'm still not confident yet giving them uh, a clean sheet in the Premier League. Um, yeah, you mentioned, obviously, the, the race for some of these players to be fit. I'll, I'd assume um, Darwin Nunes and Mo Salah were probably really close. And if if they really wanted to push them and, and force them to play type of thing, I think they could have. But they sort of took the approach of we, we've got the rest of the season to look out for here. Um, let, let's let's go with what we have. Um, yeah, I, I think Endo encapsulates what Klopp's sort of, I guess, career as a whole has been, which is taking players that you wouldn't necessarily highlight or, or, or pick out in a lineup of, of who you want to be starting for your team and just elevating them and, and developing them and and getting performances out of them that I don't think many other managers could. Um, and it's similar to all the young kids that he had playing in that game. I don't know if it, if many other managers would instill that much confidence that a team so young is confident enough to have the ball late in a game against uh, Chelsea and, and the team they had out there. So, yeah, I, I think credit to, to them for that. They've got an FA Cup game on Wednesday as well. Um, I guess su- such is the such is the, the 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 poison chalice of going after every trophy that you're in is is that you just end up playing a ridiculous amount of games in in short space of time. But I would imagine it's Southampton that they're playing in in the FA Cup. It will be a rotated squad. I'm assuming it's going to be a case of looking to see who is who has recovered. From Saturday, yeah. uh, who's back from injury, and that's the team that plays, and, and having confidence in in the team to be able to to navigate that game, and if they can get ahead and and get ahead comfortably as quickly as possible, then wrap in cotton wool who you need to wrap in cotton wool, and you go again yeah. on the weekend. But the issue for Liverpool is because of the great form of Arsenal, because of how well Man City close, and and we all know how well they close. Liverpool can't afford to even draw this game, I don't think. They have to go and win it. So I, I think there's going to be um, added emphasis to to go and attack this game. 
I think also the last thing for me on that is just drawing on the fact that, as you've mentioned, somehow they find a way. I mean, even in that Luton game, to start the game off, they, they, were, they were down 1-0. They were struggling to get into a rhythm. They were wasting a lot of chances. And you thought, is this the game where they sort of just knock on the door and they don't get through? And all of a sudden you turn around and it's 4-1. I don't know how they're doing it, but somehow they're doing it. So I, I, I'm going to trust them to find a way to get through this game. But let's see if you can find a way to navigate, bank it or burn it. But I'll, I'll give you a, a chance just to gather your thoughts, get ready for it. We'll be back with James for Bank It or Burn It after this short break. All right, we are back, James. <laughs> bank It or Burn It. Um, now, look, uh, obviously, we've got international guests We've got guests in and around the UK. Um, Loki, I'm hoping one of our guests that is based in the UK wins Banker or Burnett just for the sake of the budget of this podcast. Um, but there are a few people across the pond that are very keen to get their hands on, on, on Banker or Burnett and, and get that coveted trophy that comes with it. But how do you think you're going to fare on your, your first ever effort? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, when it comes to, to betting, I'm not 100% great at it. So the, my, my guesses will be just with the heart. So I'll, yeah. we'll go for it. <laughs> no, that's that's a good way to go. That's a good way to go. And um, and look, at, at least the, the good thing is it, a lot of them are, are quirky bets as well in there. Um, so I think that does level the playing field, um, whether it's the, the, the Uber analytical um, or, or the ones that sort of go with the feel um, I, I think it's a, it's a great equalizer, but let me just make sure that I've got that fifteen seconds on the clock ready to go for for your first round. But uh, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put fifteen seconds on the clock. Um, James is going to try and answer all five questions for each of the five rounds before the fifteen seconds runs out. Uh, I'll read out each question, and he's going to shout "bank it" if he thinks the scenario will happen, or he'll shout "burn it." If he thinks the scenario won't happen, we start with Brentford versus Chelsea, and we'll be going through all of the five fixtures we've just discussed. Are, are you ready to go? Yep, hundred percent. All right, we'll start with Brentford versus Chelsea. Your time starts now. Possession over fifty-five percent to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. We'll bank that one. Over twenty tackles. Burn that one. Headed goal. We'll bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Got a good feeling about this one, and I'll, I'll bank it. Oh, just in time! Banked it just before the, the. Who did you have in mind when you were thinking of, of banking that? Was there a specific player you had in mind? No, not really. Um, I just feel like it's, it, this might be a game where Chelsea will nick it in the last minute, and there's just going to be knee slides everywhere. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Look, I've, I've seen um, I've seen people trying to trying to look at weather reports. For the future, whether or not knee slides are going to come into it, I know if it's raining, it's kind of hard not to as a player. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll 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 see. With the way the weather's been in the UK, you you might be onto something there. But let's move on to Goodison Park, Everton versus West Ham. Your time starts now. Position over fifty five percent to the home team. We'll burn that one. Over eight shots on target. Burn it. Over twenty tackles. Bank that one. Headed goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. We'll burn that one. Oh. All right. What, what did you predict for that one? We'll let the clock run out just so everything's above board. Oh, 1-0. Fair enough. 
Um, yeah. But the, the odds of... Okay. I think you'd be really unfortunate there is a knee slide in a 1-0 game. Um, yeah. That would just be cool. All right. Let, let's move on to Fulham versus Brighton. Um, I know you predicted 2-2 for that one, so we'll see how that factors into your predictions. Your time starts now. Possession over 55% to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Bank that. Over 20 tackles. Burn it. Head a goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. We'll bank that one as well. Bank that one to end it off. All right. We're halfway through. How, how are you feeling? Or oh, well over halfway through now. Yeah, I feel pretty good about this one, actually. Yeah, it's not it's not too bad. Once you get into the flow of it, it's not too bad. It's just uh, whether or not yeah. the... We, we had... Um, I think two seasons ago, we had to bring in the dubious goals panel to try and assess, um, uh, I think it was a fist pump goal celebration that kind of was, but wasn't. Um, and, yeah. and the adjudicators had to come and, and decide whether or not to give the points to to one of our guests. So it, it, I, I think knee slide is quite definitive. It's a knee slide or it's not. Um, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that plays in your favor. But let's move on to Newcastle versus Wolves. Your time starts now. Possession of 55% to the home team. Bank it. Over eight shots on target. Burn it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Head a goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it again. Bank it. Oh, all right. Quite a few banks it on on the knee slides. Three of the lost five. Okay, interesting. I don't know why, but I'm seeing a Sean Longstaff knee slide. <laughs> oh, sure not. He's been he's been getting goals recently, hasn't he? Yeah, Him he, and McTominay, he, he, I swear, are the same player. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, the final game: Nottingham Forest versus Liverpool. Your time starts now. Possession of fifty-five percent to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over twenty tackles. Bank it. Head a goal. Burn it. And knee slide goal celebration. I'm going to bank it again. <laughs> bank it at the end. All right. You'll be praying for a lot of rain. I'm sure you'll be doing a rain dance uh, prior to these five fixtures and we'll see how you get on. Um, and then obviously next week's show will reveal how our first four guests have done on Bank of Burning. Who's on top of the leaderboard? Who's maybe near the bottom and looking for redemption next time we, we do this in, you know, when we, when we get back to our guests. But Let's move on to Spurs versus Crystal Palace, the last of the three o'clock games on Saturday. I mean, Spurs have had two weeks off. Um, some, for some, it's a good thing. For some, it's not a good thing. I, I think Ange will use it as, as an opportunity to get on the training pitch, really hone in the tactical approach, what he wants from his players. Hope some of those injured players can come back. Um, I, I know they've, they've had some wing-back issues in terms of injuries recently. If they can get one or two of those guys back, I, I think I think the two weeks would have been well used by Spurs from that perspective. And then obviously, we've got Crystal Palace. They've got Oliver Glasner in there. He he gets a win on, on his home debut. I'll bet against 10 men, but hey, a, a win's a win in the Premier League at the moment, especially if you're flirting with that you know relegation area. You, you take them any way they come. Yeah, you do. Um, it was really important win, and I think um, th- this is going to be an interesting one because I don't think we're going to see too much of what Glasner's about still. Because this is 
the sort of game where you, you would take a point out of it. Um, I, I think you just want to be organised. I think they'll, they'll put on a good pressing display. I think. Um, I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure what this could be because Spurs, as you say, with, with a big break, it can do you good. It can do you bad. When we went through a rough spell in January, we we had a couple of weeks off, and it really didn't help us. Um, and with Palace playing recently and getting that much needed win, you wonder whether that's going to buoy them even more. So it could be an interesting game. But Spurs being at home, and you, you know how irresistible it can be at times. I'd probably still say it'd be a narrow Spurs win, a 2-1, uh, a Son double. But yeah, it's it's one of those games where I, I could see a slip up, but I don't think I don't think they will. Uh, and I would still back the Spurs home win. Look, my, my better half will definitely thank you for the two Son goals there. Um, she's a massive Son fan. But yeah, I, I, I think the if, if I'm Crystal Palace, and it will be interesting to see if they sort of deploy this tactic because Crystal Palace aren't really known for a team that will press quite high. But if I'm looking at that Spurs team and saying they've had two weeks off, we know they like to play from the back. Maybe there's a little bit of rust in there. Like, you know, passes might not be as crisp. If you press yeah. them from the back, we've seen Spurs make some mistakes uh, playing out the back. Maybe you could capitalize on, on one or two of those um, errors and, and try and get a goal. But short of that, I, I do think Spurs' attack, the onslaught, the, the constant waves of attack that they like to build, I think, especially at home, um, it's going to be too much for Crystal Palace this time around. So I've, I've, I've gone... 2-0 to Spurs in this one. I've I've been quite stingy with the with with the with the goal in I know you've given it 2-1. I've I've gone 2-0. I think Spurs should be able to manage this game. I think it's there the rest is going to be on the positive side for them. They're going to have been able to then now propel themselves for the rest of the season, secure that fourth place, try and look to see if they can get higher up in the table. I I know you might be grimacing by me saying secure that fourth place because we we know where, where your team currently sits at the moment. But let's move on to the next game. And, and I brought them up because our next game is Luton versus Aston Villa. I'm, I'm going to hand the baton over to you. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this one? I think it's going to be a really, really tough game for us. Um, we, we all know what Luton are like at home now. They will put up a, a good competitive display against anybody and everybody. Um, their problem, obviously, still is there's too many nearlies and not quite, and they can't always get over the line with a, a point or the three points. Um, but there will be a tough test for us. Uh, we we have struggled at times breaking down a team that, that can defend deep, but they they won't just sit back for the whole ninety minutes. When they're at home, they put on a good display, and you know I think watching the likes of Barkley and Lukonga recently, they look really good in the middle of the park. So they could cause us a few problems if their energy. But we we look like we're getting back into our stride now. Um, considering the defensive injuries that we've got, losing Concer and Kamara recently, we've we've settled on something that seems to be working well. With with Cash sort of sitting in like Concer used to, and now Bailey sits out wide, and we've got that four man midfield of Tielemans, Ramsey, McGinn, and Louise that sort of create that box. But there's so much energy and flair about them that, that they can pick apart teams. So. I think that we're going to come out of it winning still. Um, if results go our way the rest of this weekend as well, it could it could look really good in the Premier League table for us. So it, it's a must that we win this. Um, I'm 
I'm going to be quite positive about it, and I'll, I'll say that we win this 3-1, um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Luton take the lead first uh, again in this one. Yeah, they've, they've certainly made it tough to beat them, um, more so uh, at home uh, this season. We saw what Man United had to go through in that game. I think the issue, obviously, for, for Luton is the whole Elijah Adebayo injury and, and whether or not they can get him fit in time for this game. I know he's been ruled out for the game against Man City in the FA Cup, but if, if they can get him back against Aston, uh, against Aston Villa, I think that will be quite a, a key uh, element for them because he, he's been in really, really good form. Um, my issue for Luton is we've seen how they perform in weeks where they've had to almost play three games or how, however you calculate your week, whether it's the three games in one week or two two games in one week with the midweek game in there. I, I don't know if they have a big enough squad to handle that. So facing Man City, we know they're going to be running around for all 90 minutes in that game. And to get anything yeah. from that game is, is going to take quite an effort. Um, then you come up against a, a very well-disciplined, very good tactician in Emery and, and Aston Villa. I think, you know, with Aston Villa pushing right up, closing the pitch for you, making it quite claustrophobic. It's already a tight pitch as it is. I, I, I think it's going to be one game too far for them. I think it benefits Aston Villa that Luton play Man City midweek because you, you assume they're going to play a relatively strong squad in that one and, and just won't have the squad dip to recover in time for Aston Villa. And if, if I'm Aston Villa, I'm looking to capitalise on these situations because it's not always going to be like that in the Premier League. You're going to play teams that might be fresher than you uh, in certain yeah. leagues. But this one, take the advantage. Try and um, go and win this one comfortably. I've, I've gone 3-0 to Aston Villa. I don't think Adebayo is going to get uh, to be fit enough for this game. And, and that's going to be to Luton's detriment. That's why I've not given them that goal that you've very generously, I must say, have given them. I, I know they've been really good, um, but I, I just think... It's going to be a big week for them, and and I I don't know if they're going to be able to to handle Aston Villa, especially with how they're playing at the moment. Let's move on to Burnley versus Bournemouth. Uh, Burnley they had obviously the ten men against Crystal Palace last time. They put the ball in the back of the net, and even that got rolled out. I mean, everything just seems to be going wrong. That can go wrong for Burnley at the moment. They're facing a Bournemouth side who were darlings of a lot of. Um, people in you know certainly in the December January time period, but they've they've cooled off somewhat. Um, I still think they look good in games. They're just not getting the results that and and things aren't they they're not swinging in their way. You know, it's just not bouncing uh, their yeah. way. If I can use a, a rugby term, a rugby ball term there, but it, I'm I'm still I'm I'm not worried about them and and their you know the. They're potentially getting relegated. I think they'll be fine this season, um, but they do need to start picking up points. And you can't let a team like Burnley, that is in that relegation zone, to drag you down closer towards them. I think Bournemouth try and win this one. Uh, I've gone two 0 to Bournemouth. Yeah, I think my my head's telling me two one Bournemouth. I do think that Burnley they just don't seem to have enough. Um, enough in them, unfortunately for them. Um, I think they started off the season a bit too naively, and then I think it sort of carried on momentum-wise with the poor results. And 
yeah, it's just not gone well for them. Whereas Bournemouth, you know, they, they did have that really good purple patch mid mid season time, and I agree. I still think when you watch them, they look really well drilled. Still, um, it's sometimes just that final pass or the finish. And I thought they were, they looked pretty good against City, and they, they were not unlucky, but they, they gave a good showing, a good good competitive showing. Uh, and I do expect them to come out with the three points again here, and it ease them a bit more again uh, with, you know, eking closer to that safety points barrier that every, everyone wants to get over. Um, yeah, 2-1 Bournemouth is what I'd go for. Yeah, and on that safety points, I, I genuinely don't know if teams even need to get to 40 points this season. I think like 34 probably keeps you in the league. So a, a, a win here would take Burn, uh, Bournemouth up to 31 points. They'll need just one more win from their remaining games, I think. And that should yeah. see them safe. I, I, I'm not expecting, um, as as we look at the table right now, Luton, although they have a game in hand and, uh, uh, you know, against most of the teams around them, they're sitting on 20 points. They're in that 18th spot. So if we give them that game in hand, if, if we, you know, they'll be on 23 points. I, I still don't think they're going to get to 34. So yeah, if you can get 34, 35 points, I think Bournemouth will be fine this season and, and a win here would certainly help that effort. Let's move on to what I'm assuming many will be calling their game of the week. Man City versus Man United. Man City, two consecutive 1-0 wins. They don't look like the Man City we're used to seeing, but they're still winning games, which is, I, I personally as a Liverpool fan, very annoying. Um you know, despite us being the team that just somehow finds a, finds a win when maybe we don't necessarily look like we're going to win certain games, but Man City, they, they that's their bread and butter of just churning out wins, irrespective of what's going on in and around them. They just churn wins, and two consecutive one no wins. I think the thing for me is, despite those games both being one nils, we've seen a lot of Haaland chances that have gone begging and he's not one of those players that that's going to happen for too much longer so I, I feel sorry for the team that he eventually does just pour out all his anger on it could be Man United this weekend because um, I'm not confident in this Man United side I wasn't confident in them even when they had this run of form that they've recently had in my opinion I, I still think they could have easily lost some of those games that they did win or even you know, definitely gotten at least a draw in those games that they won. They play well in five, 10, 15 minute spells, maybe 20 minutes at, 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 at a stretch. But I'm yet to see Man United put a, a whole half of football that I can be like, okay, that, that was a dominant display. They deserve to be ahead or should be ahead. Or I'm not convinced. Are, are you? No, I haven't been for a while. It's, it's been quite frustrating, especially as I say for for me that you know, obviously supporting Villa, wanting to keep pushing ahead of, of other teams that they, they almost it almost feels like they're getting away with such poor performances all the time and just managing to to get those wins. But you know, unfortunately, that's just part of this chase. And I I honestly still don't know what they're about other than transitions, just counter attacking all the time because that's when they look at their best. But when they're asked to control a game, they, they don't seem to be able to. And the, the spaces that they leave around is is something that they can't do against City. They just can't. I think if, if they want to approach this game anyway, they would have to 
swallow the pride and, and look to just be counter-attacking because this City team, even though that compared to the normal standards, they almost look a bit ordinary, which is strange to say. But And I was saying to my dad as well the other day about how strange it is watching Haaland miss some of these chances <laughs> that he'd have had easily last season. But he it, it, it will get back into that, that swing of things and he will be just banging him in again soon. And I think it, this really could be one of those games where he does find the, the same sort of form as he did last season. Um, being that they had, there is those games where, you know, it seemed to, to, you know, rise to the occasion against City, but I don't see this game being one of them. I, I think City will win this 3-0. Three, 3-0 three nil. Three nil on that one. Yeah. I, look, I know there's that age-old saying of, you know, the form book goes out the window in derbies. I, I don't know if it really does too much. I, I mean, to me, a lot of the derbies aren't what they used to be. Um, so the, the whole form out the window thing, no, nah, I'm, I'm not buying it with this Man United team. I think they're going to have to do a lot better um, and, and be able to be in games for a lot longer and not be clumsy um, throughout the game. There are stages and matches where they genuinely can't string more than two or three passes together. You cannot yeah. do that against Man City. You just can't. No. And I think... City probably are the best team in the world in terms of stopping counterattacks. They're so good at fouling players yeah. in transition and never seem yeah, to get a yellow card for it either. I mean, the amount of tackles to yellow cards ratio of Rodri is is stuff of legends, if I'm being <laughs> honest. I, I mean, Bernardo Silva had a couple the other day where I'm thinking, it's about three or four now that he's just... They just, you know, it, it, they just know how to slow down teams on the counter-attack. And then obviously, if that doesn't work, they've got Kyle Walker that will just sprint back. You know, it, it, they're set up really well to to negate any counter-attacking football. And I think that will be well on display in this game in, in what will likely be a very frustrating game for Man United. I've gone 2-0 to Man City. I, I haven't gone as bullish as you have, but... I am dreading making that prediction already, just thinking about Holland is going to come good. And what better game to come good than in a Manchester derby? It, it, it It's not looking promising for Man United in this one. But let, let's move on to another team that's probably going to be shaking in their boots in terms of goal difference. Sheffield United, they entertain Arsenal. Now, we saw with Sheffield United some frustration uh, boiling over in their in their game against Wolves on Sunday. Um, I think it was Sosa and Robinson that, that got in a bit of a scuffle, so much so that VAR got involved, which I thought was absolutely comical. Could you imagine your team getting a red card, you know, because of your two players that have fought? I, I think Newcastle were in that situation a, a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, that I remember growing up the... That Newcastle game where Lee Bowyer and Dyer were at each other, that was against that was against Villa, that was as well. Um it is it's always strange to see. Um it, in fact when when the season we only just about stayed up a few years ago, we Mings and El Ghazi were, you know, not not headbutting each other, but they were at each other trying to defend a corner. I think you can see this quite often in struggling teams, but it, it depends how you look at it, doesn't it? Like, yeah, it's sort of showing that they care, but at the same time, this isn't the best place way of showing that. So, I, I think it's it's really strange to see because even though it's just basically 
friends disagreeing, um, it's because of the coverage that it gets. It's just so odd to see in front of obviously thousands of people, but they, they are just human. And the thing is, these scuffles do happen behind closed doors as well. Yeah. It's just we don't get to see them a lot. I remember um, a couple of seasons ago when Mohamed Salah and uh, Sadio Mane were sort of shouting at each other because one didn't pass or should have passed or whatever the case may be. And, you know, Liverpool fans were up in arms, you know, and like, oh, my God, one of them is going to have to be sold. Which one do you – I'm like, guys, the amount of times these players have had, you know, these type of conversations – in the dressing rooms. We just don't see it. Um, it just so happened that this one was out on the pitch. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's something that will be sorted out, will be resolved. And then from from a Sheffield United standpoint, it's just it, it's just evident that they, they don't have what what they needed to have in, in order to stay in the Premier League this season, unfortunately for them. Um, even with the new manager coming in, a, a new old manager coming in, um, it doesn't seem like their fortunes have changed all too much. Is there any chance of a banana skin in this one? I mean, Arsenal, as I said, probably the informed team in the Premier League at the moment. I don't think anyone would bet against them winning this one, which makes me have to ask, could it be a banana skin? Well, I was only saying this uh, about half an hour ago, wasn't I, that that Southampton result last season, where you don't expect it because you just you think it's a foregone conclusion that Arsenal are going to turn up and, and do the business. Um, as much as it could be one of those, I, I don't see it. I, I do think it's a slightly different Arsenal this season, um, particularly defensively, as I say. So I, I think for, for Sheffield United, it might be a damage limitation job because of how good Arsenal can be uh, at the moment. The scoring goals for fun, you know, I think they've won how many in a row now. Um, yeah, I, I can't see anything other than an Arsenal win and I could see more more and more goals come in again. Uh, a 3-0 Arsenal win is what I'd say. Yeah, I, I think that that's a pretty solid scoreline. Um, I think for Sheffield United, they maybe would have been hoping this game was you know, in two weeks' time instead of next weekend because Arsenal then have the Champions League game that following midweek where we know they're, they're behind in that one. Maybe then you could say they might have one eye on that game and, and you can try and try and win it that way. But it's going to be a tough game for them. If I'm Sheffield United, my own my goal for this game, obviously there's the whole trying to keep the scoreline respectable. But for me, the goal is don't concede a set piece. Yeah. Do not yeah. concede. Arsenal have, what, 18, if not 19 by now, uh, set piece goals this season. Let's make an, an, an a concerted effort that if they're going to beat us, let 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 it not be via the set piece goal. Especially with how many times Arsenal's first goal in games is a set piece goal, and that just it changes the game because then Arsenal don't have to force it. They can sort of exploit your weaknesses when you're coming to chase the game. If I'm Sheffield yeah. United, just do not concede from a set piece, but. My, my my second concern would be try not to have fans walking out, you know, twenty minutes into the game, like like what happened last time they were at home. Um, it, it's yeah, it's it's a sad thing to see for for any football club them not performing well. Maybe unless you know if Sheffield United are your rivals or or a team you don't like. But yeah, I think for this one, I'm gonna play it safe. I I don't think Sheffield United are going to cause Arsenal too many problems. I've gone four 0 because Arsenal just seem to score. 
four goals in, in every game at the moment. Um, and we'll see how that one goes. But that's going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. James, do you have anything you want to plug, put over, promote before we wrap up? Uh, just as usual, the the podcast that I'm a co-host on, uh, the IBFC Fightful podcast, we've, we've been a bit hit and miss this past couple of weeks with illnesses and new jobs between us, but we're, we're back on it from this Friday. So, yeah, go and give us a follow, give us a listen. We're on YouTube, Spotify, um, Apple Music uh, thingy. You know what I mean? Uh, I've lost my train of thought now, but yeah. Music, all, of the, all of them. Yeah, and, and Twitter as well. So, yeah, go go and head over and follow us definitely go do that guys uh from my end go check out all of the content on epl index website you can stay up to date with all of the news that's happening in in the premier league obviously some articles on there regarding the everton appeal um and the points deduction that's been reduced down to six points um of course there is the daily podcast show it's the two footer podcast where dave hendrick discusses all the hot topics in football also, go check out the flagship show that runs weekly. It's the EPL Roundtable, where Kev DeRee sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do the reviewing of the EPL weekend. We obviously do the previewing. Um, I'm going to be on that show next week, I believe, as well. So, yeah, definitely go check that out. Usually comes out Sunday night, if not Monday mornings. Go and follow at a tad predictable on the app formerly known as Twitter. Go and follow at EPL Index on that same app. Subscribe to EPL Index podcast channel on your podcast providers. Give us five stars, write positive comments. All of that stuff really does help us out. As James has said as well, definitely do it for his podcast. I'm sure he will appreciate the sentiment. Um, I've been Tadiwa Chinakira. You can find me on the Twitter handle Tad Predicts. Huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and Jody. She's at Spursy141 for our guest intros. Mr. Guy Drinkle, he's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. He's obviously executive producer for this show, so huge thank you to all the work he does behind the scenes. He's been James. He's at the Holt 1874 on Twitter. And remember, Chisinda Perry, Chinashura. Podcast Network.